This is a Rooster Teeth production. This is the seawall, yes? Yeah. Do we, we could get more cups. This one has my mug of coffee. This uh-huh. one has keeping the rest of the coffee okay. warm. And this, this is one's water. water? Yes. Okay. Do we want to introduce a carbonated? I mean, I have one, but... I thought about it. Okay. I really did, because I'm enjoying those strawberry water lists. Uh-huh. Folks, Charlotte's got three three forms of beverage on the table right no, now. No, no, no. Just two forms, but... But three containers. Three containers. Two of which are both coffee. Okay, okay. With a, with a honey syrup and some almond and oat. Uh, or no, coconut and almond creamer. No. Okay. Like a non-dairy. Like a non-dairy, yeah. Okay. It powdered? Makes my throat phlegmy. Yeah, it's a powdered non-dairy creamer. Yeah. That powdered. Ugh, gosh. No good. My parents like that like really sweet coffee mate stuff. Ooh, Where yeah. it's like French donut. Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> I, I lived with a guy once who... Uh, would buy strawberry shortcake coffee. Ew. Wait, the and coffee it, itself? Yeah, like, you know, you can buy flavored beans, which I'm not a fan of, but... No. I don't mind. Like, look, if you want to get your, like, a vanilla latte or something, that's good. I that's, do that all That's that. fine, yeah. Cinnamon? But don't buy flavored beans. That's something it, else. It's just not natural. Yeah, yeah. But I would ruin my coffee, because you would use my coffee machine and it would completely destroy it. <laughs> like the next, you have to make like three batches of coffee to get that out, but he would make it every day. So there was never, yeah. That's why I use only my own coffee stuff. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, on a darker note, now I don't, I don't have to tell you this. So yeah, I, I thought you, we weren't going to. I want you to appreciate that I am telling you this. Okay. The audience, not you. You know. I, I do. Uh we already recorded this episode, and due to some devastating uh, <laughs> audio t- <laughs> problems, uh, yeah. we we were told we mustn't release it. Well, Patrick... Charlotte said some really inflammatory <laughs> stuff. <laughs> well, it, you know, comments I made notwithstanding, Patrick mm-hmm. listened back to the audio, which was terrible quality. Yeah. Really bad. I went... I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> well, you could iron no, this out. I heard I first of all I listened to your track, which was slightly better than mine. Yes, and you were the host of that episode. Yeah, as as you are. And I one. there was the audio was the 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 problems with it. It was like an electrical interference thing. Were much lower on yours, so I was like, yes. surely we can get rid of this, right? It, and then it, you it might not, to and yours. Then I, yeah, and then I heard mine, and I was like, this isn't going. It sounds anywhere. like you recorded at a power plant. Yeah, yeah it did. <laughs> uh, but. We moved some things around so that we wouldn't have to do it right away. So That's hopefully right. we're refreshed. Right. Hopefully, I know I've forgotten everything I read last time. I, so I'm coming in new again, fresh, clean. Yeah, you know, I was disappointed when we mm-hmm. lost that first episode because I was like, oh, what about what about the bits? What about, you know, the, the classic Charlotte and Patrick ship hits, you know, tomfoolery? And then yeah. I remembered that it's an exceptionally dark topic. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, rife with uh, the classics, you know. Uh, political malfeasance, intrigue, mm-hmm. uh, um, irresponsible decisions. Um, a frightened crew a who frightened f- crew, forgets yes. that they are the stewards of many young <laughs> lives innocence. aboard this ship. Yeah. yeah, untrained innocence. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. The darker note is not that we <laughs> lost a record. The darker note is this uh, episode. wreck. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? We had, a, we had some bummers back to back to back, so... Honestly, I, I think it's worked out. Yeah, this is a 
This is maybe the most bummer run we've done in a long time. It's also maybe the most Ever. recent we've done in a while. Well, this episode? Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is very recent. So let's get into it. Early in the morning on April 16th, 2014, a ferry carrying 476 passengers from Incheon to Jeju attempted a tight turn and capsized. The crew abandoned the vessel and the passengers, and within hours, the sea had claimed over 300 lives. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. Yet another episode where uh-oh and whoopsie feels... <laughs> Feel gross? Uh, uh, well, I don't know about gross. Mm. Inappropriate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now go ahead with your inappropriate flowery uh, <laughs> intro. I didn't write one for today. Oh, okay. It's yeah. It's not. It's not a fun story, and we've dealt with you know death and tragedy before. But there's a uh, the 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 buffer of time yeah. often, and 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 this one is uh, very recent, and also uh, was totally preventable. Yes. So if you want if you want some like some like chummy banter, you can listen to our discussion at the top of the episode again. That was fun. Or go check out the Peter Eardale episode. Or check out the yeah. Peter Eardale episode. You, you know, or, or any number of episodes. The one with the, with the musicians. That was a good Yoshiana. one. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a banger. Mm-hmm. Good times. Let's get, I'm going to put yet another thing on the table next to my mug, key card, scrunchie, uh, water bottle, and mug, and tissue box that I brought in. <laughs> yeah, I have a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one can, one drink, and my laptop. <laughs> um, the chapstick also, is in my pocket. Also, yeah, I mean, I guess there's, you know, probably a, a content warning here. A lot of uh, child death in this mm-hmm. one. So if that's, you know, something you don't want to mess around with, yeah, you know, like we said, the back catalog's there. The back catalog is there. You can listen to any number of those all, Almost all of those also, I guess, have some degree, whatever. A great deal. Yeah. And apologies in advance for pronunciations. I'm going to try my best. The morning of April 16th was the first time most of us had ever heard of the MV Sewell, but the ship had a long career prior to the 2014 tragedy. Originally, the Sewell was known as the Ferry Naminue from 1994 to 2012. It operated as a ferry in Japan with the A-Line Ferry Company. Now, Japan consists of thousands of large and small islands, so a ferry system is necessary to facilitate travel. Most of these islands are too close for commercial flights, but too far for bridges. Uh, the devil's gap. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Namanue was designed and built by MHI Group, aka Mitsubishi, huh. in their Shimonoseki shipyard in 1994 and delivered to its initial owners, Japan Railway Construction, Transport and Technology Agency, and A-Line Ferry Company. You know, uh, Mouthful. Uh, quick aside, my friend has a Mitsubishi from the aughts and it has a DVD player. Okay. <laughs> in the car. You just put, yeah, yeah, you open no, the I trunk remember. and you pop in the DVDs. Oh, I love that. Driving the, along. The, the you're trunk watching, player. The trunk player. Yeah. Like, can we pull over so we can put on Mall Cop? I had one that had a, I had a truck that had a VCR in the center console. <laughs> and I never got it to work. That's it was a used crazy. car when I bought it. And then it plays yeah. it over the headlights. It projects it onto the eyes <laughs> yeah. of oncoming traffic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, the ferry was equipped with a single-screw, two-engine propulsion system, and it was also the first ferry to use some newer technology at the time. The Mitsubishi Air Lubrication System, or MALS. As you may know it, listener. If you are a ship engineer. Yes. (laughs) Which, hey, maybe. maybe. I mean, we've gotten some naval architects and engineers and professionals, which, again, we've said before, terrifies us more than anything else. It's got to be painful for them to listen. I mean... Right. We did get that email um, 
the uh, regarding Malta. Correct. Well, that wasn't us. even a ship. No, I know. I'm just saying, like that was off one episode. Yeah, was it yeah. like to listen to our body of work and be like these landlubbers? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So this technology was proprietary to Mitsubishi and was designed to reduce friction and resistance between the hull of the ship and waves as it moved through the water. It did this by blowing bubbles up from a device fitted to the bottom of the ship, which created a layer of air between the sides of the ship and the water. Blowing bubbles, no longer just for children. Yeah. This technology was designed specifically for larger bulk carriers, cargo ships, and passenger ships, as it requires a flat hull to function properly. The mall's system reduces CO2 emissions by up to 15%, while also conserving considerable fuel. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. It was the perfect fit for these kinds of vessels. They're merchant ships, commuter ships, and even some military vessels, which means they are almost in constant use. As a passenger and car ferry designed to regularly travel between Kagoshima and Okinawa, the Namanue was Mitsubishi's guinea pig. Passenger and car ferries are not new. The first recorded passenger car ferry was built in Scotland in 1849. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 hey. That's 59 years before Henry Ford would introduce the Model T. I was thinking that. Were you? Yeah. yeah. And I was also... You're not going to tell me it was 37 years before Carl Benz would introduce the first gas-powered motor car, are you? I wasn't going to tell you that, but I'm glad you said it. <laughs> we, of course, know all these things. Oh, yeah. Now, that might make you wonder, why did we have car ferries before we had cars? Well, the original Scottish car ferry, the Leviathan, cool. was actually so named for its capacity to transport railroad cars. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the original car, oh. trains. <laughs> I mean, there's horse and buggy. No, trains. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I grew you up in Pennsylvania, so there were, there were signs posted for yeah. horses and buggies. You're kind of a train person. I thought yeah, you would have yeah, known yeah. that, but I guess I guess not. Okay. <laughs> All of this to say... <laughs> Rude! <laughs> Uncalled for. <laughs> so 145 years later, Mitsubishi was not reinventing the wheel. That was not their intention. What they were trying to do was make the wheel more efficient and eco-friendly. Boo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> According to the A-Line Ferry Company in Japan, that's exactly what happened. For 18 years, the Namanue functioned normally, efficiently, and competently as a passenger ferry between the Japanese islands. And you know, the, the going rule for ships that work on this show is if it ain't broke, fix, fix it. it. <laughs> fix it as much as you can, as fast as you can, and, and as, as cheaply cheap. as you can, yes. Yep. Truly, the only reason they sold it was because it was getting older, it was starting to look a little dated, and there had been some technological advances beyond the Namanue's existing capabilities. Mm. According to the A-Line, the Namanue had never experienced any serious malfunctions in its almost two decades of daily use. She's an old workhorse. And and what do they do, add 400 guns to the top deck? (laughs) Kind of, yeah. By all accounts, the problems really began when the Namanue was sold to the Chonghai Jin Company in South Korea for use in their ferry service. And here we go. Okay. Between October 12th, 2012 and February 12th, 2013, the ship underwent drastic modifications. There it is. Yep. It has been debated whether these modifications were even legal. Yeah, they put NOS on it. (laughs) Yeah. The Korean Register of Shipping says that the ship passed all blueprint inspections as well as tests for stability and balance. Mm-hmm. However, there have been reports of uninspected additions as well as noted malfunctions in the months leading up to the wreck. Okay. Just keep, they keep, it keeps happening. They keep making changes to these ships. If it's looking <sighs> old, give it a new coat of paint, mm-hmm. you know, 
And also, look, if, if you're a commercial fisherman, you own your own ship, do whatever you want. It's like the Millennium Falcon. You know, it is just like the throw whatever Falcon. aftermarket crap you want on that thing. <laughs> it's reported that the ship was sunk by a holographic <laughs> yeah. chessboard. But if you're if you are running a commercial ferry service, safety is pretty important. Yeah, yeah, you would think so. Yeah. Uh, well, not the case here. The ship was expanded well beyond its original intended capacity. Mm. First and foremost. The company expanded the cargo space, which then allowed them to build two additional decks of passenger space on top of the ship. Oh, okay. Yeah. So which, pretty basically much, guns. Yeah. yeah. Made purely for bronze passengers. <laughs> <laughs> this increased the ship's gross tonnage by 239 tons and added space for 116 more passengers. No figures on what the their tonnage was, but <laughs> was it, it depends. Did the ferry leave after lunch? <laughs> One big problem with that was that all of this new space was on top of the existing frame of the ship, as always, every time. Yep. Never intended to carry that much weight, the ship, which was once the pinnacle of efficiency and lowered emissions, was now unable to function properly. There we go. Yep. As noted in the blueprints, this moved the center of gravity upward by a foot and a half, which doesn't sound like a huge deal, but if we've learned anything from... Like fifty percent of our episodes, Just going back to episode one. <laughs> if you if you move that thing by like an inch, yeah, Physi- physics with fire. is going to get you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was such a huge deal. In fact, that it caused a left right imbalance of the ship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Adding the two additional decks made the ship perilously top heavy. It is also important to note the additional passenger decks largely consisted of passenger cabins with locking doors. Oh my god. That comes into play later, uh, and not open passenger areas. As mentioned earlier, the Korean Register of Shipping did inspect the ship after the modifications, and they did notice all of the issues listed above. Of course. They also performed an inclination test to test the left-right balance. After reviewing the modifications and the test results, they issued conditions for the ship to be cleared for use as a ferry. First, they would be required to reduce the maximum amount of cargo, specifically cargo stored on the upper decks. Secondly, they would be required to increase the amount of ballast by about 400 tons to offset the imbalance and alleviate the top heaviness. So they did all that, right? Yeah. Is that your you're saying? Well, I mean, if... What if, you're saying now is they did all that. I mean, if that those are the conditions required to safely pilot this then vessel... Surely then, it, then, right? then surely they did it, Surely they did it, right? No. Um, oh, okay. Those conditions were not reflected in the reports that went to the Korea Shipping Association or the Korean Coast Guard. Okay. Who were both responsible for the oversight and management of operational ferries. Really just playing the odds. What's I, the worst that could happen? It's, it's wild. The, so it's much. Like the worst could it, happen. And it went into, yeah. No one is entirely sure how the information didn't make its way to the proper channels, but it has been alleged that this may have been intentional to avoid adhering to the cargo limitations. Not everything can be in pursuit of the the slimmest margins and the highest profits. I know it's. I mean, like, I know I'm not pointing out anything. Especially if we're talking here. about just human, like, I mean, life, yeah, safety, yeah, exactly. Well, here we are. Here we are. During the trial following the disaster, the Korean Board of Audit and Inspection found that the licensing provided to the ship by the Korean Register of Shipping was based on false documents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Additionally, following the inspections and incline tests, 37 tons of marble were added as counters and tables to a room on the bridge deck at the rear of the ship. I mean, I'm sure it looked nice though, right? 
Well, me, me and the rest of the crew supposed to hang out in a not marble encrusted dude hang? Yeah, out of the question. Just like, oh my god. So needless to say, adding 37 tons of marble changed the inclination of the ship even further than initially recorded during the inspection. 37 tons of marble. That's a lot of rock. 37 tons of marble. And on uh-huh. the top. Yep. On the bridge deck. Yep. Regardless, the ship was approved with its false documents and on March 15th, 2013, began operations under a new name, Sewell. You've been on a ferry. Yes. Yes. Could you imagine it having marble countertops? I'm trying to, the the only time I've really been on like a passenger ferry, I was really young and I got some sour straws. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Does that... I mean, that's cool, but it's also... Does not a a marble kitchen make or whatever? It's not thirty seven. I was just on a ferry recently. I've been on a few ferries: Mm -hmm. the Bainbridge Ferry in Seattle, the Chesapeake Bay. uh, There's ferries that go to North Carolina, Mm -hmm. and they're they're pretty. It's a utility vehicle. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, it's like how many people in cars can we get on here and just like, Mm -hmm. and it rocks a lot, and it's you know not the most comfortable, but it's serviceable. So the idea, I'm yeah. sorry, it's just so far out. It's that just public transit, basically. It's public transit, yeah. 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 <laughs> this, is, this is a frustrating one. I know. So starting in March of 2013. What flavor is sour straws? Uh, I think they were green. That'd be green apple then, I would assume. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Pretty sure. Okay. Starting in March of 2013, the ship made three round trips per week from Incheon to Jeju, Each leg of the trip took 13 and a half hours. In February of 2014, it received an additional inspection per normal operating protocol, and again, the conditions of operation were not enforced. At that time, the ship had made the round-trip voyage without incident approximately 120 times, and it would double that by the time of the incident. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was constantly running. On April 15th, 2014, the Sewell was supposed to depart from Incheon around 6.30pm. However, a dense fog had settled over the water and visibility was extremely low. The shipping association opted to hold the departure for an additional two hours until weather conditions improved. The Sewell finally departed at approximately 9pm, but was the only ferry to depart that evening. All other scheduled ferry departures were cancelled until the next day. When the ship did finally depart, she was carrying 443 passengers, 33 crew members, and 2,142.7 tons of cargo. That seems like a lot. Well, it is a lot, especially when you consider that the maximum allowed cargo weight was 987 tons. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. see now that's... I see now. You may notice that that's more than double of what they were actually carrying. That may have been partially due to the fact that they had 185 cars on board. I mean, these vehicles, they're like, they are meant to carry cars and all that, but it... Yeah, but when they had been instructed to limit cargo... And then go way beyond way double. Over it, yeah. yeah. On top of this, the excess cargo was not secured properly. Good. Meaning... Lord. hmm It shifted during transit, destabilizing the balance of the boat even further than it already was. Oh, my God. All right. Notably, more than 300 of the passengers aboard were students from Dan Juan High School who mm. were on a field trip. Yeah, if you, if you remember hearing about this in the news not long ago, this was, uh, you know, one of the most cited details. Uh, oh, and, and one yeah, of the, you know, this is, this is the just the the real crux of just how awful this all was. Yeah, there had also been a change in the crew. 
The captain on this particular round trip was 69-year-old Lee Jun Suk. He had over 40 years of experience in multiple different types of ships, but specifically, he had traveled the route before in a different ferry many times without incident. Interesting note here. He was hired on a one-year contract at the equivalent of $2,500 per month, which mm. is around like 30 k a year, which seems pretty low for a ferry captain, like a ship captain. Yeah, and, and a pretty senior captain at that, too, yeah. who's, who's done this quite a bit. I, I mean, I... I don't. I can't speak to the labor conditions in South Korean shipping uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, captaining, but it doesn't seem great. Yeah. It's so easy to get stuck in a routine and do the same things every day. But you still wonder, what's out there? What adventures are you missing? Well, you know, one good way to get adventure, it's go for a bike ride. And now riders of all abilities can experience the freedom and fun of the outdoors with electric e-bikes. From quick store trips to outdoor adventures, electric e-bikes will transform how you get around. For starters, they are really good quality and they have a ton of features, like a removable battery, a bright LCD display, five levels of pedal assist, and they're even foldable. But on top of that, they cost way less than other e-bikes and their financing starts as low as $133 a month, a small price to pay to lower your gas cost and reduce the guilt of your carbon footprint. I have been an avid advocate of e-bikes ever since I got my first one a few years ago and the electric e-bike is no different. You really do get a better sense of your neighborhood, the city or town you live in by riding a bike. You know, when you're in a car, you just don't notice these things. Anyway, electric e-bikes can help you get out there and find adventure. You can check them out by going to electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com. So, Lee Jun-suk wasn't the only new face on the ship. Of the 33 crew members, 19 were new to the ship and also only part-time. It's believed that this impacted the amount of training they had received prior to the voyage. In later investigations, it was revealed that the allocated budget for safety training for the ship's crew was the equivalent of $2. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which they used to purchase a certificate claiming they had completed safety training. <laughs> I mean, look, that's all. It's, you use, you know... You use the resources given to you, right? Okay. I mean, like, why even bother with... Okay. I know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's, let's keep going. If all of this wasn't enough, the regular captain, Captain Shin, had warned of stability issues when he returned from the previous trip. He noted that the ballast tanks had not been properly maintained and therefore were not reliably holding the amount of ballast necessary to offset the inclination issues. Further... He recommended that a side ramp be removed from the ship to correct the imbalance. Mm -hmm. He would later go on to attest that after receiving this report, the company threatened to fire him if he continued to talk about the problems with the ship. He credits this in part for his temporary removal as captain of the ship as well. I mean, that sounds, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it sounds par for the course from what we've heard about this company. Mm-hmm. Because he was concerned about the safety of the ship, Captain Shin also relayed his concerns to the Incheon Port Authority. They contacted the company, who denied all of Shin's complaints and said they would address them internally. Always works when they right, address yeah, them internally. Yeah. It always works. The, not, not, <laughs> they deny the complaints and then say they would address yeah. the false complaints internally. Like, nah, -uh. mm -hmm. and also we'll look into it, like whatever it yeah. hypothetically would be. Most tragically, Shin also noted that the steering gear for the ship was malfunctioning and had requested a replacement two weeks before the disaster. 
Later investigations also found that during a stability test four months before, the Korean Register of Shipping had noted stability issues and ordered the company to repair them. Uh, they did not repair them. Mm -hmm. The first 10 hours of the journey on April 15th were uneventful. Until 7.30 a.m. the following day, approximately three hours from landfall in Jeju. Third mate Park Han Kuehl and helmsman Cho Jun Ki took over the watch. As they approached the Mengal Channel at about 8.20 a.m., Park Han Kuehl ordered Cho Jun Ki to shift from autopilot to manual steering. Now, the, this channel is notorious for underwater currents and rock hazards, but on the day of the disaster, conditions were reported as calm and the ship was not near any of the noted rock hazards. Additionally, according to trial testimony, Park Han Kuehl had passed through the channel before. It was a different ship, but, you know, he'd done this, he'd done this route before. Oh, okay, wait, was yeah. Park Han Kuehl? What's that? I said he, but there's nothing to... I mean, yeah, I was wondering I, that, okay. I feel like... I mean, I'll just do it again. Park Han Kuehl had passed through the channel before, albeit on a different ship, so we don't know. They had done this route before. Right. The decision to shift from autopilot and drastically change course has been debated in investigations and court trials multiple times since the incident, but ultimately only Park Han Kuehl understands why she gave the order she did. When considering the repairs needed for the ship, specifically to the steering gear and the ship's balance and inclination issues, it might be possible that Park perceived that they may have been off course when in fact the ship was malfunctioning. Mm -hmm. It's all speculation though, I mean, who knows. Regardless, 20 minutes later, as many of the passengers were having breakfast, Park and Cho attempted to make a 136 degree turn Wow. while traveling 18 knots. Wow. They then increased the course correction to 140 degrees. Wow. For an even more drastic turn. Okay. And then according to court testimony, they then checked the radar on the ship and corrected an additional five degrees. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do that in my car. I know. This course correction caused the ship to list starboard. According to Park's testimony, Cho was unable to turn the wheel due to a steering gear malfunction. Huh, if only we had known that I know, that yeah, was there. if someone had reported it. Cho agreed with this and added that they immediately tried to turn the opposite direction to offset the list, but the malfunction prevented the boat from shifting back. Uh-huh. During the confusion of the listing and the steering malfunction, Cho also misunderstood one of Park's orders in an attempt to course correct and turn the ship further to the right. Wow. By 8.49 a.m., the ship was listing 20 degrees into the water. Mm. Remember all that cargo? That wasn't properly secured? Yeah, the, the more than double the 987-ton limit cargo. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't secured. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it shifted toward the listing side because it was unsecured, uh, causing the ship to tip a further 10 degrees. The drastic shift also threw off the ship's gyroscope, meaning the crew on board didn't even have an accurate indication of the loss of balance. <sighs> so at this point, you know, if you're doing the math, the ship is now 30 degrees Listing 30 degrees to port. Yeah, shortly after 9 a.m. Yeah. Captain Lee rushed to the bridge, but it was too late. They killed the engines and evacuated the engine room, and the ship began to drive sideways, and the lights went out. Okay. Yep. As they evacuated the engine room, the crew made announcements asking passengers to stay put in their cabins and that moving about the ship was dangerous. Classic. Every time. Oh my god. These announcements continued as water began to flood passenger compartments. I mean, that's what $2 gets you. Every time! It's always like, it's fine, 
It's super. It's, it's fine. more dangerous yeah. out here than it is in your room. Uh, yeah. As the ship is filling with water. Hey, it's me, understand. the voice of authority that you've entrusted your life to. I'm telling you well, that. Just stay put. They always say it and then leave. Yes, every time. It's always like, oh, just stay put because they don't fully know what's happening. And by the time they do realize what's happening, it's too late and they're not at the intercom anymore. Nope. <laughs> From inside the cabins, students and other passengers began making calls to emergency services on shore, reporting that the ship was capsizing. The Coast Guard was also called and they launched a rescue vessel moments later. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is in the era of smartphones mm. 2014 like yeah very In recent instant communication so there are a lot of like phone and video calls from students who are like trapped yeah in their rooms like calling their parents calling emergency services it's really horrible yeah it's haunting following the recorded calls to emergency services and the coast guard the crew of their ship finally made their first distress call Chong Hai Jin, the shipping company, called the ship and spoke with the captain and first mate in multiple phone calls over the next half hour. However, in one of these calls to both emergency services and the shipping company, one of the crew informed emergency services that evacuation was impossible due to the angle of the ship, which had now tilted more than 50 degrees to port. Just after 9.20, emergency services ordered the crew to inform the passengers to put on life vests. Captain Lee then also told them there were too many passengers for the rescue ships and helicopters, so he was not sure if they should evacuate. That is so stay not on the sinking ship. A good reason. That's not a good reason. Yeah. Instead of relaying either message, okay. Yeah, he told the passengers to again just stay in their cabins. And he is the captain. Yeah. So, three hundred and four of them complied. Nearly every single one of them drowned, still locked in their cabins. It's. There are just so many points along this process where this could have been prevented. Just so many, like, out of any of these things that were... <laughs> oh, man. Whether it's a repair made or securing the cargo or listening to the captain or putting out any announcement. Mm -hmm. There are so many links <laughs> in, this, in this chain. Yep. Many distress calls have been recovered from these passengers the last one posting at 10.17 a.m. that morning, only an hour and a half after the fateful turn. The last call from emergency services told the ship to drop all lifeboats for an evacuation, but by 9.38, all communication went dead. By 9.40, about 150 to 160 passengers and crew jumped overboard. Only the crew and passengers that disobeyed the orders to stay in their cabin survived. Reports of the crew's conduct during the capsizing have been varied. Some reports say they drank beer as the ship sank. Others report that they continually called the shipping company instead of emergency services. But there's one thing they all agree on. The first and second mates, as well as Captain Lee, were rescued by 9.46 a.m. after telling passengers to remain in their cabins. Again. Just... <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> mm. Due to the confusing and conflicting reports by the crew as well as passengers... The news reports of the incident were wildly inconsistent. Some broadcasts listed that all the students had been rescued, still others reported rising numbers of casualties despite the fact that the rescue was ongoing and they had not started to search for remains yet. Okay. I mean, it's just what happens anytime there's a tragedy. It's... Yeah. Constant coverage. Non-stop. Yeah. little information. Yeah. By that afternoon, a salvage unit for the ship and 40 Special Forces divers had begun to recover what was left of the wreck. 
the recovery of missing passengers continued for the next two days. Attempts were made to pump air into potential pockets in hopes that there were survivors, but this ultimately failed. The rescue operations also resulted in the deaths of two divers and a crashed helicopter carrying five officers. Good lord! Yeah. By the 22nd, the wreck was salvaged for a criminal investigation. As of 2022, that investigation is still ongoing, mm. and the official cause is undetermined. However, their findings have included a number of factors contributing to the wreck. First, the turn to starboard has been identified as the catalyst for the ship's sudden tilt to port. That said, the functionality of the ship is also listed as a factor in the unsuccessful turn. Mm. Second, overloading unsecured cargo contributed to the drastic shift in weight and balance of the ship. Upon investigation, the court reports that Sewell may have been carrying 3,608 tons of cargo. Whoa! As opposed to the 2,142 tons it reported and the, like, 900 that it was cleared it's about, to carry, right? It's almost like four times as much as the, the limit, the advised yep. limit. Yep. Now, it's difficult to get exact data on this due to the amount of water that flowed into the ship, but if this is true, that means the ship was, like we said, carrying almost four times its recommended cargo. The court also recorded a disparity in the ballast water. At the time of investigation, the ship only had 580 tons. The difference between the amount at launch versus the amount reflected in the investigation could be a result of the wreck or the tanks could have leaked during the voyage, contributing to an even bigger imbalance at the time of the turn. So what happens when there's there's so many ineptitudes stacking, it's it's hard to decipher which <laughs> to one figure is the, out, you know, the smoking exact, gun. Yeah, exactly. And of course, there have been a number of conspiracy theories around the wreck. Notably, Gong Gil Young, a professor at Korea Maritime University, has advocated for an explosion theory. Okay. <laughs> Claiming that the turn started the tilt, but an explosion made it worse. Uh, I mean, no other survivors have mentioned an explosion, nor were there signs of an explosion on the ship. What is this? What is this function? As? I don't beyond, know. Beyond like do a fantasy, know. is it is it to absolve the shipping company of some of the responsibility? Like or or cast more responsibility on I, them? I, I don't it's, know. Yeah. Uh, some have also suggested a collision with a reef, but the divers, salvage team, and Captain Lee all refute this. I'm going to have to go with some on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still others have suggested that the ship hit a submarine. Okay. But the damage from the ship does not appear to match that of a submarine collision. I mean, there, there didn't seem to be any collision. Right. Yeah. Just momentum and... <laughs> yeah, but that's not as fun. Uh, right, of course, yeah. I guess. It's not as fun. Yeah. In 2014, the captain, first and second mates, the chief engineer, and other crew members were indicted on homicide charges, citing gross negligence. Mm. This is pretty, pretty uncommon. I mean, that does not happen very often here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the justice system is like in South. Well, it's also like there was definitely a lot of executives involved that I think actually did some of them did get uh, their comeuppance too, to to an extent, but. Only three of the 19 crew members were not charged with crimes relating to the crash. Park ji Yoong, Jung hyun Soon, and Kim Ki-Wung stayed on board to help passengers escape. Unfortunately, they all went down with the ship. Mm. The chief executives of Chang Hai-jin were also arrested and charged for knowingly operating a malfunctioning ferry. The company's license for running ferries along that route was revoked. Mm. Multiple members of the Korea Shipping Association were also arrested on suspicion of falsifying documents to allow the seawall to carry excess cargo with no oversight. And on April 28, 2015, Captain Lee was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. 
the 14 additional crew members received 12-year sentences. The Chong Jin employees, as well as the Korea Shipping Association officials, received prison sentences as well. Wow. Despite raising and salvaging the ship completely in 2018, to date, five passengers are still unaccounted for. Uh, and then this, this gets kind of wild and president is impeached as a result. Oh. Which we're going to get into okay. here quickly. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously this is a huge national tragedy for, I mean, it's an international th- story and everything, but like, Massive. of course in South Korea, this is like a huge, you know. So on the day the ferry sank, one person was conspicuously absent. Uh-huh. As the media reported growing casualty numbers and questions arose about the Coast Guard's response times and rescue effort, President Park Geun-hye was nowhere to be found. Her first address regarding the issue came seven hours later, and Korea never let her forget it. Any scandal or mistake from that day forward was punctuated with, well, where was she for those seven hours? Valid. Things got worse two years after the wreck when investigators found that the operator of the ferry company was a member of a mysterious religious organization. Their pyramid scheme type membership scams accounted for most of the additional cargo overloading the ship. Oh my God. Uh-huh. As the investigation continued, investigators turned their eyes to a suspicious member of Park's inner circle, a woman named Choi Soon Sil. Choi was the leader of a small sect, merging Buddhism, Christianity, and Korean shamanism. She had connected closely with Park after allegedly delivering messages from Park's mother, okay. who uh, had passed away. Ah, who was dead? I, okay, yeah, I see now. Died in an assassination attempt on her father while he was the prime minister. What the hell? Yeah. Park denied that this caused undue influence during her time as prime minister, but as the investigation continued, Park was found to have granted special favors, solicited donations, and formed shale companies all in the name of Choi's group. But even worse, she sent confidential documents to Choi at Choi's request. By 2016, it was now a well-known news story and Choi had fled to Germany, sheltered by the Unification Church, also known as the Moonies. Huh. Convinced that the missing seven hours may have been tied to Choi's influence and activities, this scandal drove the families of the Sewell victims to call for Park's impeachment and resignation. In March of 2017, she was successfully removed from office. The Sewell disaster factored heavily into public sentiment around the vote. And the missing seven hours uh, remains a mystery. Most people think she was just asleep or something. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. And that's the uh, Sewell. Yeah. Uh, the horrible, preventable tragedy with unbelievable. Preventable uh, in many different levels. So many preventions. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> could have done that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, this one's, this one's really unfortunate. It's just like, uh, just mm-hmm. the load. Don't load the top decks. Don't load the don't top load decks. the top decks. Don't overload by four times the recommended cargo. Right, and um, if you're gonna do it, secure it. Make sure <laughs> yeah, your ballast down, isn't leaking. Make sure you make the repairs your captain recommends to the steering gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, pay was for, one of the only pay for safety training. Pay for safety training. Yeah, uh, it was one of the only ships to go out in the fog. Don't let. Don't tell your passengers to stay on board in their rooms while the ship is sinking. While also getting off the yeah, ship well, yourself. You after, and then leave yeah, immediately after them. Yeah, or, or yeah, knowing yeah. that there's it's dangerous for them to stay in there, but then just saying nothing. Yeah. I, okay. Well, I mean, we can definitely turn to something a little bit more uh, lighthearted for okay. the end here, if you could give me an honorable mention, Foghorn. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. It's a sick horn. That cuts through pea soup like a knife. Mm-hmm. Nothing makes us feel better, personally, than dunking on the escapades of reluctant Twitter CEO Elon Musk. And today we get to discuss one of his great follies, the Tesla Cybertruck. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I know what you're thinking. Charlotte, uh, hello, McFly, uh, this hello. is a podcast about seafaring vessels, mm-hmm. right? Well, like, why would you talk about a truck, you know, famously of the road? Well, the earth. <laughs> of the land. Uh, we need to weaponize land power. Well, you'll be pleased to know that according to a September tweet from Musk, the Cybertruck. Well, you'll be pleased to know that according to a September tweet from Musk, the Cybertruck can, quote, serve briefly as a boat. <laughs> okay. Yes, the truck that can't successfully peel out of an upscale sushi chain can apparently function as a boat. Hmm. Yeah, and, and he's not saying that it floats. Okay. You know, he's not saying that it can ford a river. Ford tough, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I see, I see what's written there. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He's saying that the massive Cybertruck, recently downsized Cybertruck, but still oh, very really? big, okay. uh, floats and can safely transport weird Tesla nerds across a distance equal to the channel between a SpaceX base and an island in southern Texas. Any yeah. island in southern Texas? I think a specific one. Oh, okay. Uh, and this works out to about three-tenths of a mile at its shortest crossing. Okay. <laughs> Which is long. Don't, if you have a Cybertruck, Maybe don't try this. <laughs> well, yeah, see. Especially because like, aren't the windows, like, bulletproof Yeah, or something? Gonna, we're going to get like, to that. Yeah, oh, okay, they're yeah, supposedly yeah. bulletproof, uh, but not Musk rock-proof, which he well, demonstrated yeah, in yeah. its unveiling. Yeah. But, yeah, th- this wouldn't be an issue if it weren't for the fact that Musk fanboys are so insistent on pushing their Teslas to perform every insane feature Musk announces for it. Like the autopilot that heavily recommends you keep your hands on the wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which like, if anyone's seen the clip from the Bay Bridge where a Tesla just on autopilot pulls over and causes a nine-car pile. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and you know, these these guys are like, well, I mean, he's the smartest man. That's why he's so rich. And, yeah. And yeah, the article from roadandtrack.com aptly reminds us that the windows of the truck are, yes, meant to be bulletproof, which, you know, is bad enough for issues on the road like mm-hmm. a fiery car crash for instance because your car saw a siren <laughs> yeah. or saw some lights yeah, in an ambulance yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is especially unfortunate in water yeah you want to be able to break your wind the windows of your car relatively easily absolutely they yeah. are literally built to crumble yeah you know get one of those pens with like a, a yeah, that's, a, f- that's a feature Yes. It's intent it's meant to do that so that if you do go in the water or you can get out you can break them that's and get right out. yeah, yeah. But, hey, you know what? At least you can safely play Cuphead on the dash screen until your oxygen supply runs out as your Cybertruck emits one last sorrowful novelty fart sound. Plays closer, my God, to thee <laughs> as you go down. It's just... Is that what the song's called? I don't know. I don't <laughs> know what you're getting song. At. song the band played. Oh, I mean... Isn't I don't that? know, but it's been a pleasure podcasting with you. It is close. Or nearer. Nearer, my God, to thee. Okay. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. A- apologies to the quartet uh, that well, went down. Uh, did they? Yeah. There was, was like a chamber a, orchestra. It was like a nine piece. A nine piece? Maybe not. Well, that Hang just shows the hubris of the How White Star big Line. <laughs> was Titanic band? Eight. Eight? Yeah. Eight so musicians. So it, it was an octet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I apologize. Not, well, a, not a band, not a number you often hear with music uh, bands. Eight. 1912 was a, a yeah. wild year. Crazy. They were doing anything. They were trying it all. Sea-based performance. Yeah. 
Uh, whereas today we have improv cruises. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, as uh, yes, once again, uh, uh, not a fun episode, but you yeah. know we do what we can while also acknowledging the uh, the heinous tragedy and actions of uh, uh, unscrupulous capitalists. Yeah. <laughs> who fortunately, some of which went to jail. Yeah, which is cool. They did it. They did it. All right. So. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say names now. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna say that the show is written by Paige Wesley. And I'm gonna say, if you're interested in that cult thing at the end, oh yeah, Paige has a podcast with Armando, who you may also know. Uh, if you are familiar with our other stuff that we do, uh, or it's podcasting called, in general, it's called Cult Podcast. Check yes, it and out. it's it's quite good. Yeah. I've been on a couple episodes. You if, have. if you need an entry point, uh, one of them is sea based. Oh. It's a Blackbeard episode. Okay. And so uh, definitely check that, Definitely check their show out. They have an episode about the Moonies, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Go check it out. All right. Uh, it's also edited by Kelly Reynolds, art by Stevie Jude. The, uh, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Patrick. Uh, yeah, yeah. The yeah, Bones yeah, Bleach. Yeah. Uh, bones Bleach. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. See you next Bye. week. Oh, follow us at Ship Hits Pod. Please. Please.